Hey, this is Rodney Gage. I'm the pastor of Rethink Life Church in Orlando, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages and inspires you to live with a new perspective, make better choices, and have a greater impact with your life. Here's today's message. Good morning, everybody. Happy New Year. You guys ready for a new year, 2020? All right, man, I don't, I, I'm, I, I'm not really convinced. I don't know that y'all are really, I'm, I'm, I don't know that y'all are like fully all in yet. Are y'all ready for a new decade, 2020? It's here whether you're ready or not, amen? Hey, how many of you are ready for an upgrade for a new decade? Come on now. I'm not, I'm talking, I'm not, not, not talking about upgrading your wife or upgrading your house. No, 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 just, we're just believing God for great things, amen? Hey, it's just exciting what God has in store for us, and uh, man, this is an exciting time, and we're on the we're on the ground floor of something big and new and exciting, and uh, it's one of the things I love about New Year. And uh, hey, before I really just unpack a lot of things that I want to share with you today, as we kick off this new series we're calling Imagine 2020, uh, I just want to really just push pause and just, I love to celebrate the past as far as celebrate what God has done, and I don't, I just don't want to kind of like just glaze over Christmas, even though it was just literally a week ago or so, but uh, I just want to give glory to God and say thank you to all of you who have served, who were part of the dream team, and went above and beyond to make an incredible difference, but we had a thousand people attend our, uh, our Christmas Eve experience, and uh, yeah, yeah, it was awesome, so many uh, first-time guests that were here, and let me just say, if you're, today, if you're here today as a first-time guest, we're so honored that you've chosen to come and be a part of our experience today, and we mean that sincerely. It was one of the greatest joys and highlights, and we got to um, put faces and names with folks over the Christmas uh, holidays and also have the opportunity um, just to say welcome, and we pray that this will be a, a place, uh, uh, really, that you can call home. This will be something fresh and new for you and your family for the year of 2020. Um, we had 31 people that gave their lives to Jesus Christ uh, during those those Christmas um, experiences and what's awesome is to know that just through the generosity of our of our folks you know one of our core values is generosity is our way and uh, because of the faithfulness and the generosity people who gave above and beyond we were shy of just thirty thousand dollars for our year-end Christmas offering over, over and above what we normally give. And so I just want to say thank you for that. Thank you for sowing and investing and sacrificing. I like to say it this way. Yeah, give God the glory, man. Um, I like to say it this way. Hey, we're not built, this church is not built on the talents of a few, but on the sacrifices of many. And it really does. It requires a lot of sacrifice. And we know that many of you truly sacrificed, but you gave out of the goodness and the generosity of your heart. And we're so, so appreciative of that. Well, let me just say, because we are on the ground floor of a new decade, uh, I don't know about you, but one of the things I love about New Year's, especially, um, man, a new calendar year, but even this is very special and unique in the fact that we have a new decade, 2020 and the 20s, and all that it's going to mean to us. Um, I just really believe that when you think about new beginnings, that's what it really is. It's an opportunity to start over. Aren't you thankful that we have... Uh, once a year, and especially now more than ever, an opportunity to kind of push 
reboot, you know, reset. We can reset our lives spiritually in every area, our priorities and all the things that are important to us. We can kind of just push reset in the, in the golfing world, you know. Um, it's, not, it's not on the PGA, PGA, PGA Tour. Um, this is not official. They don't get to, pros don't get to do this. But we get to do it. The normal people, we call it a mulligan. You know what I'm saying? How many of you, how many of you thank God for mulligans? You know, you get a second chance. You, know, you, get, a, you, get, a, you get a new shot. You know, you get a, you get a new uh, do-over. But one of the things that uh, we get the opportunity to do is to really start afresh and anew. And that's my prayer is that you will start um, in your heart just making a new and fresh commitment in your life in your marriage, and your family, uh, God's priorities will suddenly now become your priorities. You'll put him first in every area of our lives. And I love what C.S. Lewis said. I read this quote over the holidays, and it really just uh, impacted me, and I want to read it to you. And it's found in, in, um, in I'm sorry, in, in um, C.S. Lewis once said, he said, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. Aren't you grateful for that? Aren't you grateful that, hey, yesterday ended last night. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, the best is yet to come. Because it's true. The best is yet to come. And so what we have to look forward to is new beginnings and new possibilities. And, and, uh, and we have a, a theme verse. And here it is. It's Ephesians chapter 2. And uh, it's, excuse me, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, and I, I would encourage you just to uh, man, embrace this with everything you've got. And it goes like this. Now to him who is able to do, to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Aren't you grateful for that? That God has the ability to do something Unimaginable. I'm talking about greater and far beyond anything that we could possibly imagine. And so we're going to unpack that in this series, and we're looking specifically in the book of Nehemiah. In fact, we're going to be learning over the month of January a lot about this individual's uh, life and what he accomplished. As a matter of fact, one of the things that I love about Nehemiah is the fact that he was a, a normal, ordinary person. Um, in fact, one of the things that's unique about Nehemiah is that he wasn't a priest, he wasn't a king, you know, he wasn't, um, you know, some mighty warrior. No, he was just an ordinary person. In fact, I got some good news. Hey, if you were perhaps um, voted, um, you know, maybe as the, as, the, as the brightest and the best of the best, the brightest of the brightest, maybe best dressed, best looking, you know, maybe you were voted among your peers as being most likely to succeed. Hey, I got some great news for you. You ready? God can still use you. Aren't you grateful for that? Because you see, God likes to specialize in using ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things. And so when you think about the possibilities of what God can do and what God will do, I believe that God can do something supernatural in and through our lives abundantly above immeasurably more than we could ever think or even possibly imagine. And so in this story of Nehemiah, one of the things that Nehemiah was, uh, which is kind of unique to his vocation, he was a cupbearer. Now, a cupbearer basically simply means it was, he was kind of like a glorified 
butler, one of his roles was to taste the wine before the king drank his wine. Some of you are saying, that's a pretty cool job. How do I get one of those? Well, he was basically taking his life in his own hands, playing Russian roulette. And one of the things that he did is he would literally taste the wine to ensure the fact that there was not any poison in the wine because they didn't want the king to die. So therefore, if there was poison in the wine, then the cupbearer was the guy who died. So it wasn't necessarily a glamorous job, but that's the role he played. He was a slave. He was living in exile. He was living in a place that was away from his homeland and and his people. And so here he is, a cupbearer, and we pick up the story in Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. And it says these words, these are the memoirs of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. In late autumn, in the month of Kislev, In the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Now, that's kind of like the political epic center, if you will, of um, this area known as Persia. Hannah and I, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. In other words, Jerusalem. I had asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity... And about how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Nehemiah said, when I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned and fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. Now, here's what's interesting. Is that Nehemiah, like I said, was just an ordinary person. Nehemiah was living in exile. In other words, he was a slave. He was living in captivity. And one of the things that we have to understand as we kind of get the context of this is that Jerusalem was the place where the Jews, the Hebrews, had lived. And obviously we know that in Jerusalem was the the temple, it was where the place where the people came and they worshipped. And and it was was fortified because it had this massive wall around the city to protect it. And and so here was a place and, and it was preserved and it was set aside and it was the place that people went to worship and they lived and, and all of a sudden it was destroyed when the Babylonians came in and in fact they came in on three different occasions and they destroyed the temple, they literally wrecked the city and they took the people and they, and they really made them as slaves and they took them away from the homeland and they were forcing them to basically live a new life in a new place. And then later, Persia comes along and they take over the Babylonians and, and so even at this point, There's a new king, King Artaxerxes. He's now ruling and reigning. And so all of these people who were living in exile in Persia now are giving, some are given the opportunity to go back home. And so as they return back to their homeland there in Jerusalem, of course, the place is is in shambles. It's in rubble. It's it's been destroyed. The walls have been broken down. You say, how could all of this happen? Well, we have to understand God basically made a promise to his people. And he said, look, he said, if you obey me, there will be blessing and prosperity. There will be protection. There will be provision. But if you disobey me, then I'm going to scatter you among the people. Well, unfortunately, the people of of Israel had turned their hearts away from God and they began to drift and they began to chase after false gods and therefore they had to reap the consequences of that. 
So here are remnant of people are going back home, and, and, and so they send this report to Nehemiah. And when he hears this report, the Bible says he broke down and he just wept. His heart was crushed, and, and he thought to himself, he said, you know, he said, if this is what is happening I have got to do something about it. And I believe that what God suddenly began to use Nehemiah to do is the very thing that God wants you and I to do this year of 2020. And that is this. Three things if you're taking notes. Number one is that we got to open our hearts to see. we got to open our hearts to see. What did Nehemiah say in verse 4, Nehemiah 1? It says, when I heard this, I sat down and wept. In other words, Nehemiah, when he heard that the gates had been burned and the walls had been destroyed and he heard the condition, listen, he was brokenhearted. And it wasn't the fact that it was necessarily the gates had been burned and the walls had been torn down. It was just the fact that the people, the city that he loved had been broken. They were broken people with no hope, no purpose, no direction. And so they were left vulnerable because there was no wall to protect them. It'd be like us, I mean, here, here 140 years, this is, this is when the walls have been torn down, so 140 years go by when Nehemiah hears this report. It'd be like us in the late 1800s just knowing that we have no border security, no police, no law enforcement to protect us since the late 18th. Can you imagine what kind, of, what kind of world we would live in, what kind of country that we would live in if there was nothing to protect us? And that's exactly what was going on with the people there, living there in Jerusalem. And yet through this discovery and through this information that Nehemiah now has been made aware of, his heart is broken and his eyes, listen, begin to be opened because of the great need. And he needed to do something about it. He said, if this is what's going on, then there must be something done about it. And he said, I'm willing to go all in. Now, here's the thing. God sometimes can awaken our hearts and stir within our hearts a new vision for something. In other words, a vision often can be birthed out of a burden. Sometimes a vision can come from a burden that ultimately is turned into a blessing. As a matter of fact, sometimes when we are questioning why we're going through certain moments or seasons of pain in our lives, what we fail sometimes to know is that maybe God is allowing us to experience pain in our life because he's going to ultimately take our pain and he's going to use it as a platform in order to serve a greater purpose for the destiny he has for us. Sometimes we can find ourselves in a place or maybe even a season where we are, listen, we are in a place of misery that maybe God flips and it becomes our greatest ministry to make a difference. You see, when we open up the heart of our lives and all of a sudden we, we begin to open the heart to see things from God's perspective, it changes things, it awakens things. We begin to see clearly. I love what the scripture says in Proverbs 29, verse 18. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. In other words, where there's no clear vision, listen, marriages die, dreams die, hopes die. But the Bible says, 
in, in the message, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. So my question to you is this. What is it that you have a vision for for 2020? What is it that you need to open up your heart to be able to see in a clearer, in a more precise way of what it is that God is calling you to be? It's a vision of what could be. It's a vision of what should be in your life, in your marriage, in your family. As I stated a moment ago, maybe it's making God's priorities our priorities. Maybe it's no longer living for our agenda, but his agenda. And as a result, listen, when we open up our, open up our hearts to be able to see things from God's perspective, now all of a sudden our purpose becomes clear. Why? Because the plans that we have are now his plans and his purposes for our lives. In other words, let me put it to you this way. You got to be able to see it before you see it so you can see it. You follow me? Let me put it to you this way. I had a very clear picture in my mind of the kind of woman that I wanted to marry. Now, that vision hadn't become a reality. Now, how many of you guys know, okay, that if you have a vision with no plan, then it's just a fantasy. But I had a plan. And I had a plan because I knew exactly what kind of woman I wanted to marry, but I had a plan because I was trying to live my life in a way that allowed me to position myself to be at the right place at the right time with the right girl that, you know, had some potential. So I had this picture in my mind. Again, you got to see it before you see it or you'll never see it. So I had this picture in my mind. And all of a sudden, somebody brought to my attention about this girl I needed to meet. As a matter of fact, my brothers met her. I didn't meet her, but my brothers met her. My, my three older brothers, who I greatly admired and respected, I valued their opinion. And they said, oh, yeah, you, you need to follow up with this. So I got a lead to this girl that they told me about. But the issue was I didn't even see a picture. It's called blind faith. The Bible says you to walk by faith and not by sight. So, I, hey, I was walking by faith, but I didn't see no picture. But everybody's giving me the thumbs up like, yeah, man, you need to go for it. So I reach out to this girl who I'd never met, never seen a picture of, introduce myself to her. Long story short, I bought a plane ticket to fly to go see a girl that I didn't know, had never seen a picture of. You say, for real? You mean you didn't, you didn't Instagram it? You didn't stalk her on Facebook? They didn't have all that back then. So as a result, listen to this. I get off the plane. Now, back in the day, you used to be able to meet people at the gate at the airport. Not anymore. And so, back in the day, you could meet people at the gate. And so, I just told her in advance. I said, just be there at the gate. You'll know me when you see me. My prayer is that she was seeing what I was seeing. You know what I'm saying? And so, I get off the plane. And all of a sudden, I see this girl in the midst of other girls, and I'm thinking, oh, Lord, Jesus, help that one to be the one that I'm supposed to be seeing. Because I'd already seen it in my mind. I'd already seen it. In the other words, we're not a part of the vision. I saw this one, and all of a sudden, that one saw me. She started walking towards me, and I started walking towards her. And she looked at me. She said, are you Rodney? I said, yeah, I am. And she said, hi, I'm Michelle. 
I said, wherever you lead, I'll follow. <laughs> I've been following her for over 28 years. Again, if you don't see it before you see it, you'll never see it. She had to open up your heart to see what God's vision is. And maybe what God is leading you to do is to act upon a burden that God has placed in your heart. Maybe there's a change that needs to occur. And maybe you're the one who needs to initiate the change. Maybe it's you're the one who needs to lead by example. Maybe you're the one who says, you know what, enough is enough. This is not where we want to be. This is not where we need to be. But I have a picture and I have a vision of what God has for my marriage, what God has for my business, what God has for my family, what God has for my finances, what God has for my future. And listen, that is a picture of what could be and what should be. And with God's help, when we invite him into the process, all of a sudden we begin to see life from a clearer and more precise perspective. Well, here's the thing about Nehemiah. In Nehemiah, Nehemiah acted upon this vision. And so what he did is he opened his heart to see. It's the same type vision that Jesus had when he stood on the Mount of Olives and he looked over the city of Jerusalem and he wept over the city. Nehemiah, again, was not weeping over brick and mortar. No, he was weeping over people. And so the big question is, hey, do we weep over the things that Jesus wept over? Are the things that break his heart, are, the, are they the same things that break our heart? Man, my heart is broken over the fact that there are people all over this city. There are students on this school campus. There are people in our community who are lost spiritually. They're seeking and they're searching. And listen, we need to ask God to open up our eyes to see so that the vision of what could be and should be becomes a reality of life change and new beginnings and new hopes and dreams that people's lives that are broken be, can be put back together through the power of Jesus Christ. We have to imagine that. We have to see that because if we don't see it, listen, if you don't see it before you see it, you will never ever see it. The Bible says the fields are ripe into harvest and so we have to open up our eyes. Number two is this. Nehemiah, again he was a thousand miles away from this place called Jerusalem. So he hears this report he not only opens his eyes to see, and all, now all of a sudden this burden is now turned into a blessing because God's getting ready to use him and position him to accomplish something great. But yet, because of what has been brought to his attention, because he's so overwhelmed with emotion, rather than doing anything before acting, here's what he did. He knelt down to pray. In Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 4, he said, In fact, for days I mourned, I fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. Everything that Nehemiah did, listen to this, he bathed in prayer. In fact, the whole, pretty much half of the first chapter of Nehemiah chapter 1 is basically the prayer that he's praying to God. And it's interesting to me. That after this revelation, after he begins to see what could be 
and what should be as he begins to see this vision of those walls being rebuilt, as he begins to respond to the calling that God places on his life to do something, the first thing he does is he drops to his knees and he begins to pray and he begins to ask for God to put his super on his natural to accomplish something that most people said would have been impossible. So what did he do? He knelt down and he prayed. 21 times, listen to this, 21 times in the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah is praying, he's praying, he's praying. I don't know why, but for some reason, we often view prayer as a last resort rather than the first response. Have you ever thought about that? Isn't it crazy how sometimes we'll try to solve our own problems and after we've exhausted all of our own energy and all of our own effort and we've put our own, you know, you know, strategy into place, trying to make things happen and then things don't happen the way we thought, then we kind of take a step back and say, well, I guess all there is left to do now is just pray. God is like, duh. You should have, you should have brought that to me from the beginning. And that's the reason why we're setting aside Starting tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. over at the lake house next to Canvas. And they've been gracious to donate this space to us so that we can have a whole week of prayer. 6 a.m. tomorrow morning. And here's where we're going to call on God. Listen, we're going to believe God to do abundantly, above, immeasurably more than we could think or even imagine in 2020. That God supernaturally is going to do something fresh and new in our lives, fresh and new in our marriage, fresh and new in our family. Listen, fresh and new in our business and our finances, even in our health, even in situations and circumstances that, that maybe have defeated us or discouraged us or overwhelmed us. Listen, rather than trying to figure it all out and trying to make things happen on our own, we're going to simply go to God and we're going to say, God, we're giving everything we have and everything we are. Only you, God, can do the impossible in our lives. And so we're going to go to God as a first response. And so we're going to consecrate. We're going to dedicate. We're all going to meet back here, listen, next Sunday night at 7 p.m. for a night of worship. I'm here to tell you, we're going to raise the roof on this place. It's going to be epic. It's going to be an awesome time where we just encounter the presence of God. God inhabits the praises of his people. And I'm here to tell you, it's going to be an incredible time as we come together. and We culminate seven days of prayer and fasting. You say, why is fasting so important? Some of you, maybe you're asking the question, what's the difference between a diet and a fast? Glad you asked. Because sometimes we say, oh man, Christmas holidays, whoo, man, I got to get back here to the gym. Been eating too much pecan pie. And we've, been, we've been vegging all week, you know. And man, I've been staying up late watching Netflix and eating popcorn and eating leftovers. And so we're thinking to ourselves, yep, man, I got I to gotta get it. I got to get a new diet. Man, I need to drop some LBs in 2020. What's the difference between a diet and fasting? Very simple. A diet changes the way you look. Fasting changes the way you see. We want to see clear. We want to see God's good and pleasing and perfect will. We want to call upon God. We want to eliminate distractions. 
Listen, we want to let go and get rid of anything and everything that competes, that distracts, that comes before us and God. And as a result, we're going to do away with those things. Why? So that we can focus in on God. Because in James it says that if we will come close to God, he will come close to us. Man, we just want the power of Almighty God to come down on our lives. Listen, we want his super to be on our natural, and that's what Nehemiah did. He did two things. He prayed for God to open doors of opportunity. And he prayed for God's favor to be upon him. Listen, he was getting ready to go approach a king who didn't care anything about a city called Jerusalem, who didn't care anything about the people known as the Hebrews. As a matter of fact, this king, he hated all of that. And so you talk about the odds being stacked against you. You talk about the impossible. Nehemiah was getting ready to approach a king, knowing that all the odds were stacked against him. And yet he was praying that God would open a door of opportunity. In other words, that timing and opportunity would come together. And that he would be at the right place at the right time where the king was maybe in the right mood. And as he walked in, as he approached, as he walked through the door of opportunity, as he seized that moment, more than anything, he wanted the favor of God to be upon him. And that's my prayer for you. That this year will be a season where opportunity and timing comes together. That this year will be a season where the supernatural hand of favor is upon you in everything you do. Listen, that everything you do will succeed and be prosperous in 2020. But Jesus reminded us in John 15, hey, without me, you can do nothing. So we got to plug into the power source. And that's why we're praying. That's why we're fasting. That's why we're pressing in. That's why we're believing God to do the impossible. Because with God, all things are possible. In Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 11, Nehemiah prayed, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Listen to this. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. God is able to do exceedingly, immeasurably, abundantly more than we could think or even imagine. The verse has been kind of stirring in my spirit. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined. The great things that God has in store for those who love him. Listen. We need to pray that God open up the, he'll open up our eyes our ears, our minds, our hearts, to see what's important to him. And I pray that what's important to him becomes important to you and becomes important to me. So what do we do? We have to open up our hearts to see. We have to kneel down to pray. And then number three, we have to stand up to act. You see, after a lot of prayer, Nehemiah... He didn't just keep going from one prayer group to another prayer group. No, no, no. At some point, he said, it's time to put feet to my prayers. It's time to go and approach the king. 
But as he was approaching the king, again, he was asking for a door of opportunity. He was asking for God's favor. And here's what's amazing is that he was going to the king still with a broken heart for the people. And so Nehemiah, he approaches the king. you got to understand, you were not to show any emotion when you were in the presence of the king. As a matter of fact, if the king didn't like the vibe that you had, if you came in with gloom and doom and a sour face, he, he, if he wanted to, he could put you to death. And so Nehemiah knew it was at stake. And we pick up the story in chapter 2, verses 3 and 5. And he said to the king, he said, May the king live forever. And notice the king's response. He said, why should, and, and, and then after he explained everything, ne- I'm sorry, Nehemiah responded, why should my face not look sad when the city where my fathers are buried lies in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire? And I love this. The king said to me, what is it that you want? What is it that you want? What do you want in 2020? What do you want for your marriage? What do you want for your future? What do you want for your kids? What do you want God to do? What is it that you want? You know what my prayer is for 2020? My prayer is that God positions our church and uses us as a people where I mean, there is just such a stirring in terms of a move of God that's taking place in and through the people known as Rethink Life Church. That everywhere you go, people are, who's this Rethink Church? Rethink what? What are these people rethinking? Why, why, why do I need to rethink my life? What, what, hey, who, who are these? Why, why are they doing? Hey, what are they doing? To where a landowner might say, what is it that you want? Well, I'm glad you asked. We want some land. We need a place we can call home. That's the reason why when you leave today, I'm going to give you a brochure called Imagine 2020. And just like the people in Nehemiah's day, God used Nehemiah. We're going to unpack this whole story because, man, he, he countered a lot of opposition. Man, he felt inadequate and inferior. But God, listen to this. God used Nehemiah to rally a group of people, listen, to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem in only 52 days. You know why? Because they went all in. They went all in. And guess what? God is calling us to go all in with him. Can you imagine what would happen over the next 52 weeks if we just went all in with him? Imagine what could happen in the next 52 weeks if we, all, if we all just went all in with him when it came to going above and beyond and sowing into our future. Imagine what could happen. We're believing this year, 2020, that we're going to raise the necessary capital that we need. You say, how much capital we need? We need about 600 grand. We got just a little over 200 grand in the bank. So we got about 400 grand that we need to raise. And when we get to the 600 grand dollar mark, what does that do? That simply allows us to be able to match timing and opportunity to get the door of opportunity open to have serious conversations with some landowners. Because we've had landowners that we've been talking to, listen to this, who said, hey, what is it that you want? But they're not interested in giving something for nothing 
Not that that couldn't happen. God can do anything, amen? At the same time, they're not interested and say, well, we'll just sit on it and y'all, y'all just take as much time as y'all need to kind of figure it all out. No, 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 that's not how these guys roll. People at Tavistock, man, that's not how they roll. These landowners, they say, here's the price. And you can negotiate on a price, but what gets their attention is when you can say, this is what we're willing to pay and we'll close in 30 days. What is it that you want? What is impossible? What obstacle is standing in front of you? For Nehemiah, it was broken down walls. What is it that he wanted? He wanted permission from the king. He wanted the resources from the king. He wanted the provision from the king. He wanted the protection from the king. He wanted the authority from the king to go back to a place that the king didn't care anything about. And what did God do? God gave him everything he asked for. Why? Because he prayed for an opportunity. He prayed for the favor, the fog, the favor of God on his life. And here's where we end it. Nehemiah 2, verses 3 and 5. He said, what is it that you want? He said, then I prayed to the God of heaven. He's kind of like praying under his breath after he took a long swallow. And he answered the king, well, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, let him send me to the city of Judah where my fathers are buried so that I can rebuild it. And that's exactly what happened. God used Nehemiah to accomplish something, an ordinary person to accomplish something extraordinary. In 52 days. Because of an opportunity and because of the favor of God. And that's what I'm praying for you. And that's what I'm praying for us in 2020. Man, new doors of opportunity will be open. The favor of God will be upon our lives and upon this church. I'm here to tell you, that God will be able to do exceedingly and abundantly, immeasurably more than we could think or even imagine because of the power of God that is at work within our lives. Amen? So it's time to stand up and act. And for some of you, that's just simply taking the next step. Only you know what that next step looks like for you. So for some of you, maybe that next step is giving your life to Christ. For some of you, that next step is plugging into a church. I'm not talking about being a spectator. I'm not, I'm not talking about sitting on the sidelines and, you know, and clapping everybody as they're doing, clapping for everybody and cheering everybody on, encouraging everybody from the sidelines. No, no, I'm talking about getting in the game. I'm talking about being a participant. I'm talking about going all in. Like Nehemiah, he went all in. Imagine. I'm in is built into the word imagine. And I've learned that you can't build it unless you've bought into it. My question is, have you bought into the purposes of God? Have you bought into the power of God? Have you bought into what God can do and what God will do in and through your life? Have you bought in to the fact that God can change your marriage, that God can change your family, that God can change your finances, that God can change your physical health, that God can change your future? Have you bought into the fact that God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly, abundantly immeasurably more than we could think or even imagine? Have you bought into the fact that God can change your world if you let him?
He can. He can. So for some of us, it's taking that next step. Maybe your next step is going to growth track. Maybe your next step is getting baptized. You can do that next Sunday night right here in our night of worship. It's going to be an epic night. Maybe your next step is maybe to start giving financially for the first time. Maybe now all of a sudden you're realizing, you know what, I need to invite God into my world. I'm tired of doing it on my own. I'd rather live on 90% or a percentage rather than trying to live on 100% on my own outside the will of God. I want God to take control of my life. And all of a sudden when God's priorities become our priorities and you take that next step and you start living by faith rather than by sight and you start taking one step at a time, you start pursuing God's plans and purposes and you go all in with Him, God begins to work, God begins to move. Maybe your next step is to invite a friend, a coworker, a classmate to this worship experience. Maybe your next step is to join a life group. We're launching life groups next Sunday. What an opportunity for you to connect, meet new people and start doing life because you cannot do life alone. You need people in your life. Maybe your next step is start serving on a team. We often say it takes teamwork to make the dream work. We can't rebuild it unless we go all in. So the question is, hey, if we can imagine it, am I in? Can't rebuild it until you buy into it. Am I in? Are you in? God's calling us to go all in. The last Sunday of this month, we're calling it our Commitment Sunday. And imagine 2020. The question is, are we willing to go all in and believe that God can use all of us to do something over and above to position ourselves, to get ourselves in a cash position so that this year, opportunity timing comes together and we can strike when the door of opportunity opens. That can happen. God can do exceedingly and abundantly, immeasurably more than we could think or even imagine according to the power that is at work within us. Do you believe that? Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, it would mean a great deal to us if you would consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. You can click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories. And be sure to tag us at Rethink Life Church. To learn more about our church, check out RethinkLife.com. Until next time, hey, we love you and believe the best is yet to come in your life.